quick question. What song do you have stuck in your head today? What is it that you're singing in your head? I don't have anything stuck in my head right now. Actually, I do. I have stuck in my head. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't really... Excuse me. Well, that came out of nowhere. I don't really even listen to Metallica anymore. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So I just have like guitar riffs stuck in my head right now. Speaking of guitars and people who play them, I will be talking to Bill Davis today from Dash Rip Rock. Um, they're a legendary cowpunk band, and they've been together quite a long time. So I'm really excited to talk to Bill and kind of know, get to know what he's into and what they got going on and, you know, just kind of the normal jive, you know, just chat and say, hey, what's up, Bill? How you doing, buddy? What's going on, man? Long time no talk. <laughs> we have spoke on the phone at least once, so we've, we've done that. We have actually spoke. A lot of times I don't actually talk to the people I have on the podcast until the day of. Like, I'll email them or maybe we, we shoot a little text back and forth, but I have spoke to Bill on the phone. So that's cool. He's one step above everyone else because we've actually spoke on the phone before the podcast. <laughs> oh, anyway, what a wonderful um, spring it's turning out to be. I, I got to DJ a little bit last night. And uh, whenever, you know, like you're listening to this on like a Monday or something, I don't know. But I DJed on a Friday night. I got to do a City of Medford Mother Sun Dance Second annual. I did the first one last year, the very first mother-son dance. It's like a dinner dance party. So they come in, um, they they sit down, we do an award thing, like a, uh, a giveaway. It's an award. Um, <laughs> we do a giveaway from one of the major sponsors, and then we uh, eat dinner, and then we play bingo. We have a dance competition. It's a lot of fun. It's like the father-daughter dance, but it's moms and sons. And there were a handful of moms in there whose weddings I DJ'd. Like three or four. It was kind of cool. You know, it's good to see the moms out there with their sons and the sons having a good old time. And uh, I'm actually like, I, I really like the father-daughter dance a lot because I'm a dad and I have a daughter. And in my future, I'll be going to those. I'll, I'll DJ the one and then I'll dance in the other. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sponsors. I'm going to just start out with Rug Valley DJs because it's topical because I DJed last night. Rug Valley DJs, you know, if you're looking for a DJ for your party, well, um, we've got some. You can contact Gary. It's really easy. Just hit him up on his email, gary at rugvalleydjs.com. Be like, hey, man, I need a DJ. I got a thing coming up. Can you do the thing with the stuff? And he'll be like, yeah, sure. That's cool. We can do that. Uh, let's say you're looking for some design work. You need a logo for something. Maybe you're thinking of a cool hat design that you want to do. Um, a look design, they, they'd be the play there. Just get on the internet. Follow the links, though. You can just follow the links on the show notes um, and just click on whoever you're trying to get in touch with, and, and they'll be right there ready for you. Outsider Coffee, and I've got a cup right now. I've got a good cup of their Dynamo that I make as a drip. It's their espresso blend. I'm weird, so it's fine. Uh, but it tastes great, and uh, they do good stuff. I really enjoy Outsider Coffee. I go there, and I get my bag, and I grab a cup, and I'm not mad at all. Outsider Coffee, here in the Southern Oregon area, they have two locations, Medford and Center Point. 
and they're on the internet, so they're worldwide at outsider.coffee. You can get the, get a bag and just be like, what up, dog? And they'll be like, hey, hey, girl. So that's what they'll do. Um, <laughs> Moxley Media. Yeah, Joe Moxley, always doing cool stuff uh, from design to, to print. They do a lot of really cool stuff. So they did my T-shirts for uh, Welcome to the Woodshed, which is this podcast you're listening to. Thanks for listening to it. Um, if you're listening to it and enjoying it, leave me a rating and a review. Thanks. I love that. Share it. Do the thing with the stuff. But yeah, if you want to support the podcast and Moxley Media, you can get one of my t-shirts. There's a link in the show notes to follow, and you can just buy a shirt and they'll ship it. It's great. It's easy. Set it and forget it. The shirt's brown. It's like a heather brown with a brown logo. It looks like wood, wood grain. Apparently, it's kind of hard to design wood grain, but they did it at a look design. They did a good job. And uh, just saying a shout out to my buddy Jerome at Paul Bunyan Beard Gang, printing shirts for beardy guys and fans of friends of beard people. Do you like beards even? You can't grow one and you like them. You can just get a t-shirt. Pretty simple. And they have hats. They have a really cool hat pin. Parts of it glows in the dark. It's really nice. I like it. Um, but yeah, thank you to those sponsors. Um, yeah, I like having sponsors. I like saying words. <laughs> I don't even know. It's a it's a Saturday right now for me. It's Saturday morning, and I'm uh, I'm excited to talk to Bill Davis. This is something we started talking about uh, back in I want to say January or February, and we're finally making it happen. Happen. I can't even say the words right today. Fun fact: um, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm a little tired. We got up. I got up at a quarter to six, which is fine. But I went to bed at you know, 20 in front of midnight. So I'm a little tired, a little like, mm. but I'll be okay. It's going to be all right. I'll be able to speak words more effectively later. But anyway, hey, let's get into it. Welcome to the woodshed. Let's talk to Bill Davis. I'm excited about it. Let's go. When I'm feeling like I just don't want to deal with the world today, I go down to the woodshed where all we do is pick and play. Play a song for the underdogs and the happy-going-lucky Play a song for the Californios and East Kentucky And when I'm feeling like I just don't want to deal with the world today I go down to the woodshed where all we do is pick and play I go down to the woodshed where I would do is pick and play. Mr. Bill Davis, welcome to the woodshed. Thank you for being here. How are you, man? It's great to be here. You know what, Bill? I, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I'm so good, there should be two of me. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one no I, i'm really good i'm you know I'm, we've got some beautiful weather down here in louisiana and just looking out my back door window and there's uh lots of birds and squirrels and possums running around in the backyard so it's a good saturday it's a good saturday i was outside for a second earlier getting my laptop i dj'd last night at a an event i did for the city of, of medford where i live and, um, I, you know, I left my laptop and stuff in the, in the car and I was like, Oh, I gotta go get all that. Cause I'm recording. <laughs> so I stepped outside. It's a little wet, but when it's, uh, ah. 
Bill, when it's raining, that means I'm not going to get a sunburn that day. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. That is good. Yeah, we got to watch. We got to watch the melanomas, you know. Yeah, I'm especially so, in the south, <laughs> buddy. I'm from Missouri. I call it the not so dirty south, but um, yeah. uh, Oregon is uh, Oregon is a place that gets like we don't get the humidity at all. Like it's, it, but it is it is not as dry as Colorado where I also lived. Um, but right. we, man, we get up there, like we can hit 115 in the summertime. Um, it's pretty bad. And then, you know, if you ever hear the national news about wildfires in Oregon, they're probably close by and we're breathing Near that you. smoke for, for years, for not years, I'm sorry, months. We're breathing it for like That's two or three crazy. months. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. And you're, yeah. uh, where are you at in Louisiana? I'm in a little town called Hammond. We're right outside of New Orleans. Uh, you know, I, I have a place in the city and then we have our sort of weekend uh, uh, farm that where we go to relax and just sort of get away from the nuttiness of New Orleans. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I got to come relax at the farm, Bill. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> I've been through Louisiana um, just one time on a trip. I was helping a buddy move from here in Oregon to Florida, Boca Raton. And we uh, we were it was during Thanksgiving we stopped and had gator in Baton Rouge and I will eat mm. gator again and I will eat it again and uh, also um, I'm not gonna say it's like super official but I do my very best every Super Bowl to make as good a gumbo as you can make out here on the West Coast and the good for you that's awesome yeah i love it yeah, we, when we used to go when we used to go on tour we would have friends invite us over to their houses around the states and even over in europe you know and they're like hey we made a jambalaya and we you know <laughs> it would be like uh, in the, the band would groan in unison <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, okay. occasionally we would hit you know we'd hit a place where Somebody really did it right, and it would make us feel at home. It was just so nice to eat Louisiana food on the road, you know, cook properly. So, so look, we'll put you on our list to to, uh, to come sample your gumbo. Yeah, come do it. I I do I do hide okra in it because the West Coast doesn't like okra, um, right? You know, and it's hard to find. It's really hard to find uh, raw okra, like just just okra. It's always in a right. can out here. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's you know it's in a bit of a you know a condition, and I what I have to do is I have to chop it up into tiny little bits, and I'm like, this is so bad. I want to eat it. I want to eat it in coin yeah, shapes, yeah. you know. But right, and right. then I use an andouille um, in chicken. I don't really go for the shellfish because if anyone's going to be allergic no, to something, man. that's that's what they're going to yeah. be allergic to. Chicken. Chicken andouille is is the real gumbo. That's kind of the, you know, that's like the central and southwest Louisiana gumbo. That's just so amazing, you know. And you don't you don't even have to put much seasoning in it. It just it all you know kind of works together with a real simple recipe. So, yeah, mm. we we love chicken andouille. I mean, it just it you know you boil it, it cooks itself. Yeah, and then I even use a filet. I think that's how you say that. But um, yep, you, it's a it's a hard thing to find in Southern Oregon. You can't uh, you can't sure you can't get it at Albertsons. My son actually found it at a Winco. I don't know if you have Winco's out there, but he found it at nah. a grocery store here. And I was super excited. I was like, okay, cool. I have that, and I make a roux, and then you know I go for it. You know, I have all my mise en place ready to go. Um, so mise en place. I don't know yeah. if, if you've cooked what that means, but 
Um, I have everything ready, and then I just start, you know, I start adding things as I need. Um, but hey, man, enough, enough about food. I haven't eaten yet. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I might have to go grab some lunch in a minute. And it's yeah, it's later there. Um, but yeah, I got, I got a. We're we're going to a restaurant for breakfast this morning. I'm going to let somebody cook for me. Oh, cool. There you go. Well, let's get this thing fired up, man. I'm excited. Uh, really appreciate you being here and 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 making this pivot to get on a little earlier this morning. And and uh, yeah, let's go. Uh, All right. First question, and I, you know, I want you to know, I take this podcast very seriously. So my first question is, um, how do you eat your string cheese? Do you pull it apart, or you just bite into it? You know, I don't even eat that stuff. I, I think it's nasty. <laughs> so, <laughs> next question. Next question. All right. How, thinking how, about it, how thinking many... about it, kind of makes me hurl. But, okay. but now, you know, I just never been a string cheese guy, so. That's no okay. worries. That's okay. You, you're allowed. I will allow the space for you to hate string cheese. It, it's not like I'm writing this down like a psych- psychological review or anything. Um, okay, next serious question. How how many five-year-olds would it take to kick your ass? At this point, you know, after after four, we had a huge 420 celebration the other night, and I think I could probably get knocked down with a feather right now. So I would say, <laughs> I would say, you know, uh, a five-year-old, uh, you know, who was just uh, just woke up from a nap could kick my ass yeah. right now. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, and you and you look kind of tall. I mean, just looking at pictures, you look you look like a tall guy. How tall are you? I'm six feet. You're, yeah, we're about the same height, but you're thinner than me. I'm a chubby guy, so okay. maybe two five-year-olds for me, and and that's only because I, you know, I have a ten-month-old daughter, so now I'm soft. Oh, there you go. You, you know, got, you're building a posse. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, she owns us. Well, hey, how did you um, how did you get your start in the industry? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, it kind of we were at co- we were at school in Baton Rouge and I had a, several of my friends and I would sit around playing guitar in our, you know, sloppy, cheap rental off campus. And so we would just start making up punk songs. Like we love bands like Devo and the Ramones and and uh, some of those seventies CBGB's band. We would just make up punk songs. And so I think that's how I sort of got rolling with playing the type of music we are. And then, you know, I just met a couple of guys that were in bands around Baton Rouge, and we had an interest in more roots-based punk rock. You know, like rockabilly, cowpunk. And so uh, it just all clicked together. And then, you know, and then we started touring and made some records and that was it. It was, uh, it, it really started at a, at a near campus where, you know, at LSU, where a lot of people were just bored and drinking and looking for something fun to do. And, and then along comes punk rock and then there's a scene and, you know, everything sort of exploded out of Baton Rouge, which is kind of surprising. Is that where you're from, Baton Rouge? You know, I spent a lot of time growing up there. I was born in New Orleans and uh, grew up in ba- Baton Rouge and Lake Charles. So oh. just kind of South Louisiana, spread it around a little bit. On my trip through Louisiana, um, I forget what interstate highway it is, but it's it's north. It's 10, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably 10. But there's this giant, like, <clears throat> you drive over a huge swamp for like 30 miles with no exits. Yeah, that's the Chafalaya, uh-huh. Man, and I'll say, like, you know, I, yeah, I'm i from the Midwest, whatever, but and I've seen a lot of the country, um, 
but you don't see anything like that out here on the West Coast. And it, it's, it's, it was really amazing, and I wish I had time to, to really get into it. It was so beautiful, and what, what a neat thing to, to see uh, as a part of this country. And having seen you know, a lot of it, I, I'm, I was really drawn to – I was trying to drive, you know, and I'm, like, watching out the – I know. I'm watching out the window. Yeah, you window. can see <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, that, that interstate takes you straight through the swamp. So you really get to see everything that's happening down below. And I mean, you can see alligators, you can see deer. And I mean, you, 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 if you're a passenger, you get to watch all the cool stuff. But yeah, driving's kind of rough. Yeah, but, I but yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, Louisiana's like that. We're just a lot of bridges. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's just that's the Atchafalaya Basin, which is a huge sort of drainage swamp for the, for the whole United States. So it just kind of drains off into the Gulf and, um, and it's pristine. They, you know, they, they've, it, it's been sort of put aside to, to remain natural. So it's, uh, you're getting what it, you know, you're seeing what it used to look like, you know, thousands of years ago. So it's really a cool swamp. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It, I, I, I hope to be able to go back sometime uh, my wife's been to New Orleans. I've never been there. I've only been to Baton Rouge. But um, okay. back to the music. I could talk. We I could just chat. But I, I, there's questions. <laughs> no worries, <laughs> I'm, man. I'm, I'm good at that. The talk. Yeah. yeah, good All stuff. Right. I appreciate it. How did you come up with the name Dash Rip Rock? Uh, we just, you know, like I said, we were bored playing punk around uh, Baton Rouge, and you know, there's some. People would come through town like the Flesh Tones and Iggy Pop and even R.E.M. And then we would try to get our little local bands to open up for them. So mm. we had to sort of befriend all the club owners and booking agents. And so luckily we got to open for some cool bands, you know, and, and when you when you open for a band that's on the road, that they'll if they're friendly, which, you know, R.E.M. and the Flesh Tones and we're very friendly, they, they'll just offer you, you know, some advice or some help, you know, mm. and so. Uh, having met those bands and and you know listened to some of their recommendations to kind of you know get my band off the ground it was super helpful so that's that's sort of how dash came together and you know and we just we kind of looked for something that would make us unique and we were a three-piece band we we're playing rockabilly but we were also playing southern pop which was the sound coming out of athens you know like with with um with R.E.M. and Love Tractor and Guadalcanal Diary. And I felt like we were kind of mixing the rockabilly of Texas with the Southern pop of Georgia. And, and it was a, a really cool synthesis uh, at the time. And it, it was very, you know, it was well-received. So I've, I've been following R.E.M. since Can't Get There From Here, which was their first music video on MTV way back when. So that's cool to hear, you know, that they were helpful in starting the career and, and getting Dash Rip Rock off the ground. Um, how did you come up with the name? Uh, it is a character on a TV <laughs> show called the Beverly Hillbillies. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You know, the woman that the, the girl that played Ellie Mae was named Donna Douglas, and she was the only acting celebrity to ever come out of Baton Rouge. And she was, you know, a huge tv star back in the 60s and and she lived near my parents you know she lived where i grew up so we would pass by her house and she'd be in the front yard you know working in the azaleas and working in her garden and we're just like well there's ellie may and it looked just like her <laughs> she had long blonde hair 
<laughs> and so when I got to college, we were looking for a band name and we wanted to, you know, we wanted something to be sort of punk. And we didn't want it to be the, like the Ramones or the Sex Pistols. We, everybody had a the in their name back in the mid 80s. So, so anyway, so we went that with Dash Rip Rock. That's, that's the name. You know, um, my, my brother-in-law was in a band here and um, they were like, a, I mean, I used to book them at, at a club I managed in a tiny college town here in Oregon, just about 20 minutes down the road. And it was a, I mean, it was a hole in the wall. We legally could fit 50 people, including employees. And I booked this, this band and I, it was before I married Suzette, my, my wife. And um, I remember, and I'm a DJ, you know, I've been a nightclub DJ for a really long time. So like booking bands was kind of like, oh man, I, you know, I want to DJ, but then, you know, as a, a manager, you have to be like, you got to put it aside, Mr. Ego guy and, and get some entertainment in here. That's different than yourself. So like I would bring bands in and uh, I brought them in. They were, they were called idle threats and they were like, I, I swear to God, I was watching ACDC live in my tiny bar, <laughs> you know, and that's so cool. I told him I was interviewing you and he's like, Oh my gosh, I've been, I've known them for a long time. That's awesome. You know, he's got, he got all excited about it. Um, so cool. yeah, you got, you got fans here in tiny Southern Oregon that have, have uh, been familiar for quite a long time. In fact, I sent one of the videos to, uh, my buddy in Vegas. He's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I remember these guys. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah you've been doing it a long well, time. I mean- yeah, I mean, we did. We, you know, we sort of had some national action going back in the '80s and '90s, and so we did some big tours, and it, it was just really fun. So we are kind of just that band that that people know, you know, but don't think about very often. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Uh, did you ever do shows with Southern Culture on the Skids? We did. Yeah, I mean, we definitely sort of grew up with them. Like we first met them in in North Carolina when they were a four piece, you know, and it just uh, with different members, you know, it was before Mary joined the band and I, and I saw Mary playing with a rockabilly band up in Richmond, Virginia. So she hadn't even joined the skits yet. So, yeah, I mean, we, they're definitely one of our, uh, you know, compatriots, uh, compañero bands here in the South. Cause we, you know, they're, they're super fun and, and they do such a great live show and, and we're, we're the same way. We're, we're very, compatible compatible with them and we did some few shows with them down in florida and texas and yeah they're they're our buds they played out here in a in another another dance club like another nightclub that's quite a bit bigger it was like the main one in the area i want to say that was back when they had um what was that walk like a camel or camel walk or i can't remember yeah camel walk camel walk uh-huh. um that so that was quite a while ago but you know there was a, a bar here uh, that used to be a different bar in the, the same location that I already talked about in Ashland. The little tiny bar used to be called Daddios, and Daddios was like this—you know, this—you didn't go there unless you were wanting to mosh. It was punk rock, and um, it was like velvet stuff everywhere. Like there was a velvet Elvis hanging above the bar, and Johnny was the <laughs> owner, and he made Frito chili for lunch. You know, like you go, you could go to Daddios yeah. and eat lunch, and then at night it was, you know, you, Frito pie. Frito pie. You you get there and you at night and it's punk rock. Well, he uh, he sold that to the guy that I worked for when it turned into a, like a night like a dance spot. And um, he opened a place called Johnny B's, which is his name, Johnny Bachman. And he brings in, well, he's he doesn't own it anymore, but he brings in some, like, oh, gosh, what's that, Wayne? Oh, man. 
Oh man, I can he- I can hear him sing. He's like a rockabilly guy, Wayne. Oh man, it's killing me. I can see his face. <laughs> um, but he's he brings in he would bring in like Big Sandy and the Flyright Boys. You know them? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah, yeah. acts like that, and Wayne. It, I want to say it starts with a C, but man, I'm gonna it's gonna bother me until I Google it, and I'm not gonna do that right now. But I know you know who I'm talking about, and he brings. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he kind of looks like a rockabilly dude. He has uh, like a big pompadour. Yeah, um, yeah. And I can't place his name either. But we went on. Is a it Wayne Hancock? Outlaw- it might be Wayne Hancock. We, it, we went on an outlaw country cruise with him, and he's really really good. Huh. And he's funny too. He's he's got really good stage presence you know but i know who you're talking about i think it's wayne hancock i think that's the name i think it's wayne hancock so he and he brought he brought in pete anderson who's dwight yoakam's guitar player oh yeah yeah you know and it's a it's not a big place but johnny b's is still going and they're still bringing in they bring in a lot of rockabilly and the the people that go there are all rockabilly folks there's a guy i know that's in a very cool in a band um now i can't remember their name whatever but they're local guys and they play out a lot um, what are, you know, it looks like in your history in the band, you guys have played a lot of festivals. We have, and we've gotten banned from a lot of them. Too. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you have a good time, man. If you get banned you know, from places. <laughs> what's, what's funny, what's funny is they do these festivals in the South and they're mostly like jam bands and then like old legacy acts. And we, we used to play them and, you know, and, and we would come out and just do sort of our fun uh, we would do a clean show. You, we would, wouldn't drop the f bombs and uh, whatever. But we just, you know, we don't mesh with the southern festivals as much as we would with West Coast, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, there's like punk rock bowling and and all that, uh, and some of those cool, uh, you know, West Fest are just a little more our cup of tea. But but we do what we can in the South, and we just try to behave ourselves. But we ended up getting sort of blacklisted from a bunch of festivals because we, uh, you know, our drummer used to take all his clothes off and, and okay. run around in a diaper <laughs> and just a, a number of things. And, you know, it's we just kind of have accepted that we're a little too punk for the Southern, you know, jazz festival. And then we're a little too jazz for the Western punk festivals. So we're kind of stuck in the middle. Speaking of jazz festivals, for, for years, there was one here called the Medford Jazz Jubilee. And <laughs> back when um, back when it was like really going, and I'm talking about the, the late 90s, I DJed at a country bar for a long time, for, for 10 years. And the country bar was located inside of a hotel. And our hotel convention center was one of the stops for the, the Jazz Jubilee. It had many venues in this area, like in Medford. Uh, there were different venues, so you could go to this venue and see this band, or go over to that venue and see this other band. Well, they brought in—you'll um, know them now as Gator Nation. Have you heard of them? It was Gator Beat. I have not. No. Gator Beat was was their name, and okay, so you're in Medford, Oregon, with less than one percent of a black population, and the lead singer is definitely a, a you know. Cajun, you know, speaking, you know, that that Southern, really hard to understand sort of French uh, country accent. And uh, yeah. the drummer is is big, thick, black dude with gold lame on and biker shorts. And that's it. And and it's all <laughs> these old, old white folks. And they're like looking at the, and the drummer gets up and he starts speaking on the microphone. 
And everyone's like, oh, um, okay. And then all of a sudden, the <laughs> band approaches the stage in a very Mardi Gras fashion, throwing beads. There were the umbrellas, the um, the uh, the washboard thing, and they're just doing it, man. And then they start the show. That's how their show started. And it was funny cool. because after that, after that first show, the next year, did you guys bring Gator Beat back? Are they coming back? Are they com- are they going to play that? Are they- where are they at this oh, year? Yeah. Oh, it's so much fun! Hey, yeah, I want to. Contagious. It's contagious. I mean, Louisiana music is really. It's got that spirit, and uh, and you know, it's it, when it when you take it out of Louisiana and, and place it in front of people over in Europe or West Coast. It's it's shocking to see because it really is sort of a spectacle. Yeah, it's it's funny because like you've got. Um... You know, Kansas City, where I was born, that's that's a jazz home. Um, the Jazz Museum is right there. It's There's a lot of history there. And then you've got Texas. You know, you've got the Troubadour thing. You've got guys like uh, Charlie Crockett bringing that, that Troubadour sound oh, yeah. back. Um, then you've got West Coast rap, East Coast rap. But Louisiana, is it's an entire state of its own genre, basically, <laughs> you know? Um, it really is, yeah. Well, and I, I want to play one of your songs. I, um, I'm going to play DMZ. Um, we're playing two songs on the cast today, but talk about DMZ. How did that come about? Well, it's just it's a real fast rockabilly song. You know, we were we were inspired by people like the Leroy Brothers and the Fabulous Thunderbirds and some of these cool rockabilly bands out of Texas, and we uh, we wanted to take what they were doing and just and crunch it up and make it really fast punk rock, and and that was DMZ. And I mean, and the you know the it's a true story. When I was going to school at LSU, I lived over near the bus station. So it was kind of the skid row area of Baton Rouge. And so the rent was cheap, uh, you know, but we, we had to, we had to deal with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of stick ups and <laughs> different strange, you know, uh, skid row crimes. So anyway, that's how, that's how the title came about. Cause it really was a DMZ. It was quite a dangerous neighborhood. Well, let's play DMZ. Bars on the floor. you uh you went out on a, a i don't know if it's a limb but i think it's it's kind of a neat thing that you did but you named a record after an entire genre 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I was sort of inspired to do it, but there was there was. Uh, I get calls every once in a while from journalists or book or you know authors who are writing books about cow punk or country punk, and and a couple of them would call me and say, "Hey, we're doing a, a book about cow punk," and then they would name a bunch of bands that weren't cow punk and not even close. And I go, "Well, those are all awesome bands, and some of them are close friends of mine, but they're not cow punk. They're like a, that's Americana, or you could call it folk punk uh, you know because when i think of cow punk i really think of super crunchy fast guitars and and you know and just spitfire lyrics and and high energy you know you know punk rock music which you would you would expect from the ramones or the sex pistols or the damned or the clash or whatever that's punk rock and then you know to put a, a country element into it you would take you would be like rank and file or jason the scorchers or the beat farmers or you know any of these bands they were the first to sort of inject country music you know country lyrics and melodies into punk rock so so anyway i'm, I'm sort of a cow punk purist uh, you, you know in a, in a joking way I'm, i really don't care uh it doesn't it doesn't you know it doesn't really uh upset me when somebody you know miss speaks about cow punk i'm like i'm a purist but, you know, it's like being a rockabilly purist up there in, uh, in Medford. You know, a lot of people will go to the rockabilly club and then they'll talk shit about you if you don't wear the right creepers or, you know, or if you don't have the right ducktail or whatever. And so anyway, that, that's my whole thing with cowpunk. And I want to I wanted to sort of help define cowpunk by making a record called cowpunk. And so each of the songs on cowpunk that we chose other than the covers are really are are the best candidates as far as we're concerned for the you know perfect punk rock song i mean cow punk song so it's the uh you know it's the definition of cow punk is, is is what that was my goal in naming the record after the whole genre but yeah i, I caught it's been funny how people have reacted are you familiar with hick hop hick hop yes i have heard some hick hop what do you hip hop? Hip, it's hard to say. Um, it is hard to say. <laughs> We've been saying hip hop for fifty years, so <laughs> I know hip hop. But some of it is is it's actually on mainstream country radio, and it is it's just trash. I hate it. Oh, do you? Uh, okay. But there's some there's some bluegrass hip hip hop that is amazing. There's one called Hazy Dixie. Oh yeah, which came out. They were out in the '90s. They're no longer together. Mm. But they sort of like you know founded it and they, they were just amazing and of course you have the gourds doing versions of snoop dogg covers so there's a there yeah hick hop is widespread as well which i you know i love it what do you listen to in your you know when you're just chilling out sitting at home or maybe driving down the road what what's on your player well you know i guess when i'm we're driving we we play each other different music and i mean lately you know i've been listening to nrbq i had that in there um i've been you know listening to a couple of rockabilly mixtapes that a buddy of mine makes uh mix cds uh but i'm really i don't know there's nothing super that's just burning up my spotify right now other than just some mixed stuff and and some quiet stuff because I, I don't know you know during the day I don't listen to a, a bunch of cow punk or punk rock. I sort of listen to 
pretty acoustic music if i can you know oh. if i can find something that's interesting uh so yeah i don't have anything super specific i'm i'm a my my main playlist on spotify has about three thousand songs you know okay it's all over the map you know it's, <laughs> it goes from the beatles to mountain to steely dan to nrbq you know to the Leroy brothers so it's quite a wide uh swath of music do you do you listen to any pop like any do you have any guilty pleasure with like taylor swift stuff <laughs> i totally do yeah my, okay. my wife and i when we hear something that it makes us laugh we always you know try to follow it and and right now lizzo is like top number one on our list she's so good and uh and we just she's coming to jazz fest this year she's just you know great performer and she's from down here in the dirty south and we just love her we love lizzo as far as a pop artist and then i don't know i like i like pop punk you know i like green day and and blink 182 but that's not really too modern that's kind of old nowadays yeah, but yeah. There, there. Every once in a while, there's something that will um, will come into our uh, playlist that's brand new, and everybody loves it. And and we'll, you know, we'll we'll say, "Wow, that's really great." I'm surprised this is so mainstream. Can you describe for me the like your creative process when you're writing music? Well, you know, so ideas just pop into your head when you're driving. And so I, I get Siri to write them down on my phone. And I just, I come up with title ideas and, and then lyrics ideas by just driving around. Or even if I'm out in the boat fishing or doing something relaxed, like walking the dog, I get a lot of ideas. Um, and so that's it. I'll just, I'll take some sort of title that uh, that popped into my head and, and sit down couple of days later with a guitar and and try to write a you know a basic uh chord structure for it and then just sing it over the chords and try la la and then that's it you cut a demo hmm. i've i've never been a musician at all i i wish i i i try to dabble in producing like Beats, you know, like I was like, all right, cool. That probably is the easiest way to to do something creative like that. Couldn't do it, man. It's not my jive, so I'll just stick to podcasting and DJing. You know, <laughs> that's there you go. I get, there's well, a, you know, it's funny. Like there, there are people, and especially people in the South, like farmers and stuff, that don't even listen to music. They don't like music is not even a thing in their lives yeah. because they're they're riding in a tractor all day long, you know picking up sugar cane or whatever and you know it's it's interesting to see and also there's sort of a a real a still steadfast religious element in the south where people aren't allowed to listen to like modern music mm. you know so it, it, there's some bizarre uh folks here in the south and in my lifetime i've come across several people that just are like well i don't even listen to music and i'm just like Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what planet are you from? But then you you see their you know living circumstances, and you're just like, okay, I understand. You know, I first started DJing in in about 1990, so it got to a place where, and this was, uh, you know, it's just sort of an accident. Like I I kind of fell into it, and then all of a sudden I got the job at that night that nightclub, the DJ, the country bar, and all, and then I had to learn how to. Figure out what was a two-step, what was a, a cha-cha, what was a waltz, oh, yeah. what was a swing. Yeah, you got to play. Right. And that was in the 90s when everyone was doing, you know, like the line dancing and then the two-stepping. The electric slide. The electric, the electric slide, slide. Yeah, the tush the push. Boot scooting boogie. Boot scooting yeah. boogie. You name it, man. And and so I had to oh, figure yeah. out those those time signatures. And that's that's what I can do. 
you know, I can I can hear a song and I can go, okay, this this would mix with that, and then after that I'll play that. That that's where I'm at when I'm DJing something, and I'm I'm always thinking like four four songs ahead, and I'm back timing. You know, uh, I DJed last night and I back timed perfectly to eight thirty. That was our stopping time. Nice. And I back I played. Well, that's you know that takes talent too. So it is it is. I mean, some of the biggest rock stars in the world right now are just DJs. I mean, it's weird. I can see how big they're such huge celebrities now. So, yeah. And, and when I see what a DJ does nowadays, like at Coachella and Bonnaroo, they're they're actually working. They're not just spinning records. They are putting a show together. So it, it's it's become a thing. So, you know, I think you're, you're probably in the in the right uh, in the right area of music as far as, you know, what's happening today and what's popular today i've never played those festivals though bill so i i'm not I... <laughs> i'm gonna be, I'll, I'll be your booking agent thank I'll you take over your, okay I'll take over your career you know it, it's it <laughs> i'd show up now and just to give you an idea you know i'm in my 50s and i look like santa you know i'm not quite as as, as round but i'm getting there i'm working on it um, but my, I have a big, I have a big white beard and, and so you, you show up in a place and people, you know, now it's starting to happen. Like I couldn't do a nightclub and feel good about it. You know, I couldn't walk into a nightclub and be like, yeah, I'm in touch. Cause I'm not, I don't listen to their music. I don't even like it. I can't stand it. My son's 28 and he sends me something like, what is this puke? But it, it, it is what yeah. it is. But also I'll let you know that a lot of those DJs at those festivals have pre-recorded their sets. And uh, and oh, they, they're just faking it. They're faking, they're faking it. the uh, the operation of the console. Yep. Yeah, and that's a trip. It oh, well. sucks, man, because I can mix. Man, you just burst my bubble. Dude. I'm sorry, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You're right. You're still right. That that what you said is still right. They're still they're still being seen as these big stars. They're getting paid millions of dollars. You know, they're not. They're not. Um, they're while they're they're creating a lot of their own music. You know, they they've produced it. Um, they take their songs and they produce like an hour long mix that's already done. And then they stand there and they play it and they do the little bass finger thing where they're adjusting their knobs. They're not really doing a whole lot, but it looks cool. It's aesthetically pleasing. Like fat boy slim. He's a freaking great, yeah, great. DJ. He, he's doing that now. And it's just, it just kills me. But, and, and I'm like, man, if I went to, like I saw Moby years ago and he was playing on four fucking turntables four of them yep. at the same time and i'm just like this guy you know but anyway let's get into <laughs> <laughs> let's get into another one of your songs um the the other one you sent me was true drunk love let's talk about that where'd that one come from well this is a great punk rock song and it's and it's got sort of it has country elements so it's you know the the chorus is she keeps throwing up and i keep falling down so mm. it's just sort of a it's like a, a couple in the deep south that just hangs out at the at the roadhouse honky-tonk and stays drunk all the time and so uh and believe me in our in my day i've, I've met several of these couples so uh, you know I, I, as i was drawing up the personalities and the characters uh, i had some plenty of stuff to work with so anyway it's another true story from the south and it's set to a punk rock uh you know powerful really cool punk rock uh, melody and and chord structure like the the chords remind me a lot of uh you know of the ramones or uh stranglers or you know one of those really kick-ass punk bands from the 70s well let's play it let's play true drunk love here we go
All right, Bill, what's next for Dash Rip Rock? Well, you know, it's festival season here in the South, so we've got uh, quite a few outdoor festivals coming up. And then we're touring. We're, we're coming out west, not as far as Oregon, but we're going to L.A. and San Diego uh, later this year. And, um, you know, we've been invited to go back on the Outlaw Country Cruise, which goes out of Miami, and it'll be Lucinda Williams, Steve Earle, Shiny Ribs, uh, Nick, Nikki Lane, um, Jason and Scorchers. Um, we did one a, a few years back, and it was the most fun I've had in a week. You know, crammed into one week. You go to Me- you know, get on a boat, go to Mexico, and really fun trip. You know, and then you get to see all these people who are your you know rock idols on the boat, and get to actually hang out with them. So. Um, we're very excited to be doing that cruise again. It takes place next year in February. Well, when you when you see Steve Earl, just give him a high five from your new buddy in Oregon. Let him know I say hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's from a guy in Oregon I talked to once on the phone. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We, you know, be, being in the the country scene for for, and I worked in country radio. Um, so Steve Earl was, you know, a guy that we were playing in the '90s at the Rock and Rodeo. So I'm 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 very familiar. Um, Very cool. My favorite stuff, though, you know, my favorite stuff is like Jerry Jeff Walker kind of stuff. That's that yeah. John Prine, you know, the, that's what I can actually sit down and listen to without counting beats per minute and listening for key clashes. You know, like I can actually enjoy it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you if you get out Jerry Jeff and Towns Van Zant, Guy Clark and John Prine, I mean, that, that those guys are just uh, that's really all you need if you want something to relax and hear some thoughtful lyrics i mean they're just brilliant they're amazing you know and jerry jeff inspired jimmy buffett you know and jimmy buffett sort of took what jerry jeff taught him and became a gajillionaire but i think jerry jeff was was sort of the the first big you know troubadour southern traveling troubadour you know just throw the guitar in the cadillac and and go hit the bars um and he was just a genius i you know got to meet him a couple of times oh man Certainly one of the uh, founding fathers of, of the kind of music I love. You know? 
You ever been into Green Hall there near, near New Braunfels? I have. Man. Yeah, I live, really cool venue. So, yeah, that's sort of, yeah, that's ground zero for that kind of music that you like. How how can my audience connect with you guys? Well, we out doing shows, so check our website, dashriprock.net, um, and look at our calendar because we may be coming to your town. So, uh that's it. one way you can connect. You can also just drop us a note through our website or talk to us on social media. We've got all the, you know, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we've got it covered. So just, you know, we're very easy to uh, to find and and uh, drop us a note. And if we're if we're able to read that morning, we'll get right back to you. <laughs> I man, I wake up like that all the time. If we can find our glasses, there you go. Like Travis, <laughs> like me, yeah, gotta get those glasses on, man. I, uh, I, it, it's funny because I, w- I was forty six before I needed them, and all of a sudden, uh, I, I got my eyes checked and I needed progressive lenses, so I had to have the old man glasses. Uh, yeah, it was quick. So, but anyway, Bill, hey man, I really appreciate you giving me this time and and sharing the sharing your story. Uh, I I I look forward to to keeping up with what you guys are doing. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Travis. It's great being in the woodshed with you, and uh, and I appreciate your uh, the interview. Have a very good day, Bill. Take care and thank you. All right, you too. Bye bye. Just Southern gentlemen, you know, that you, you just feel at home when you're talking to folks like that. If you've never been in the South, that that's just the way people are down there in the South. The people that I've ran into in my travels across the country, uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot like that in like Nebraska and parts of Missouri. I say parts because there are other parts that to me are just, you just, you can't go there. Um, but there's a real family feeling. Oh, Bill's calling me back. I'm going to have to get back to him. But anyway, uh, let me wrap this up. I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye.